I'm getting kind of chills. Like this is that's kind of freaky. That picture yeah. up there. Yeah. So that's her and her two dolls, <laughs> and it went to court. And um, I'll tell you what: if you read like some of the newspaper stories, I think everybody was a little kooky in this one. She was charged with double murder. With double murder. You heard that there. That is Deputy Executive Director of the History Museum, Christy Erickson and I on the floor of the museum, talking about one of the creepy stories told in their Indiana lore exhibit. More of that later, but first. Welcome to Round the Bend Now and Then, a podcast that shines a light on the South Bend and Mishawaka areas past and present. Through interviews with local business owners, leaders, and community members, our listeners and I learn together about all of the great people and great things going on in our community. As we also learn about South Bend and Mishawaka's history and how intertwined our past is with our present. The Northern Indiana Historical Society, the Northern Indiana Center for History, the Center for History, and now known as the History Museum, It's seen many changes in its almost 150-year existence, but one thing is for sure, the entire St. Joseph County area is blessed to have the second oldest and second largest historical society in the state, right here in our own backyard, the History Museum. You see, I'm not a big Ohio State fan at all, and I get very annoyed when Ohio State fans call it the Ohio State. But our museum here, it is the History Museum because it is the main hub for a great majority of our local history. Just listen to this brief description from their website and it'll sum up how much the History Museum does for our area. Since we started collecting our community's history, we have accumulated photographs, architectural drawings and blueprints, manuscripts, personal papers, ethnic immigrant papers and documents, business industrial papers and documents, advertising, locally published newspapers dating back to 1830, scrapbooks, military records, bound volumes, and audio, video, and film footage. (laughs) Again, the History Museum is the central hub for everything history in our area. Their vision is, we will cultivate an inspired community with an expanded knowledge, understanding, and passion for our past in order to appreciate the present and influence our future. You see, understanding how important our past is to our present and how much of an impact that that can have on our future is one of the main themes that I have tried to push on this podcast. So it was natural that I wanted to highlight our local museum and shine a light on how much it does for our community. So in this episode, I meet with the Deputy Executive Director of the History Museum, Christy Erickson. We start our talk in her museum office, deep in the bowels of the History Museum, where we talk about everything the museum has to offer, as well as things that go on behind the scenes to bring the beautiful exhibits to life. And we end our chat actually walking on the museum floor, highlighting some of their cool exhibits. So sit back, enjoy, and learn all about why you and your family should take in everything that the History Museum has to offer. 
Christy, thank you so much for, for joining us on Round the Bend now and then. Truly appreciate it. Um, before we, we dive into the, the museum and everything, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah, thank you so much for having me. Uh -huh. um, I'm Christy Erickson. I'm Deputy Executive Director here at the History Museum. Mm -hmm. um, how much do you want to know about me? I was born 40 years ago in <laughs> at <laughs> Memorial Hospital here in South Bend. Um, so I've, I've been a, a local resident my whole life and, um, have been working here at the museum for 15 years. So started as, uh, actually a temp. Okay. Um, and they extended that uh -huh. a few times and, uh, I guess I must've done an okay job because mm -hmm. here I am, but, um, ended up curator of the Oliver Mansion, okay. um, home here on the corner Yep. and I'm now deputy executive director. That's so awesome. What does That's that mean? Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of the next question. What is it? Everything under the sun? A little bit, a little uh -huh. bit of everything. Um, you know, your job description always says other duties as. Of course. As <laughs> other duties as a sign. As a sign. Yep. That's yep. Yep. Means. But um, technically, it means that I oversee our um, our curators, okay. our education department, and our exhibits department. Okay. And then That's also, if our director is incapacitated in some way, yeah. I. Uh, assume the powers right. Highlander style. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Take over. Yes, but you know we all end up doing a little bit of everything around here. So team teamwork. Yeah. What high school did you go to around? I here? went to Penn High School, so we oh, moved to Mishawaka. Are, okay. Um, and that's where I grew up over by AM General. Okay. Nice. Nice. What would you say? Is the most joyous aspect of your job? Oh, um, that is a great question. Uh -huh. I like the word joyous there because um, the things that I really like about being here at the museum really are joyous. Awesome. And um, there's two things that that you know kind of make it all worthwhile. Mm -hmm. And one happens a little more often than the other. Okay. But um, what I hear a lot from people mm -hmm. when you do an exhibit or when you do a public program is is they say, you know, I was never all that interested in history, but you know, I now that I'm learning more about uh -huh. it and I really love it and 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 I love coming here. And that's both makes me happy and makes me wonder what we're doing wrong with young people. Yeah. But young people maybe don't have as much perspective True. about why it's important. True. To them, but that has to be a great feeling though. When yeah. when you when you even if you're just walking past a somebody and they just candidly say, wow, wow. you know. You know, I, I was never interested in that, but uh -huh. you make it so interesting that right. I, I want to know more. Um, the other thing that happens once in a while is since we are representing, you know, our community's history, mm -hmm. and local people's family history, right. um, on occasion somebody comes here to see a family member highlighted in one of our exhibits oh. and are so moved by yes. by seeing that uh -huh. um, that you know it's it's wonderful to talk to them about that. And That's neat. So that because um, that it personalizes it. Yeah. You know, too often we think of. I often think of history maybe as so far disconnected from from who we are in the mm -hmm. day to day, but man, if there's family members that that personalizes it, you know. Yeah, that's cool. And, that's neat. You know, recently there's a we have something up right now about a woman named Rosemary Sanders who okay. was the first African American person to play in the South Bend Symphony. Nice. And she was never in a program. Mm -hmm. She was never acknowledged. She wasn't allowed to be in the formal photos. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so we did this exhibit, and it's you know large on the wall. Yeah. Her daughter came here from Las oh. Vegas to see it and started crying. 
course. You know, all this time, uh-huh. mother is finally acknowledged for her achievements. And that's cool. You know, just it makes that's it all neat. worthwhile. That is so neat, though. Mm-hmm. That I'll, that is so cool. Well, now the opposite. What would you say are some of the more challenging aspects of your job? Ooh, um, you know. There's always a few, mm-hmm. and every job has similar challenges, yeah. but um, museums tend to rely a little bit on the passions of people that okay. work there, yep. and it's a yep. little bit easy to get into wearing a lot of hats, right. and, and oh, you know how to do this thing? Well, that's your job now. Yeah. Um, yep. And you want to make uh, the place you work the best place it can possibly uh-huh. be and, and serve the people who come here as best you can. And right. so it's can sometimes be hard to find that balance. Yeah. Like, well, yep. I guess like, you know, oh yeah, I can do that too. Yep. Um, so. Yeah. It's any, yeah. Anytime you're in the people business, mm-hmm. you know, everybody has different passions and everything. And, and everybody so, yeah. has different opinions on. You are very, very correct. <laughs> as a museum, people frequently probably clean out their basements. They probably frequently run across a family heirloom. They, they don't want to throw it away, so I'm sure they reach out. Oh, for sure. What are some of the more strange uh, donation requests, if you can recall, over the years? <laughs> do you, do, can you think of any? <laughs> yeah. Um, so <laughs> that's, a, that's a great question. Um, yes. And and I don't, I don't want to belittle too many of these too much. Oh, no. Because they're, of I course, they're you. important to Absolutely. that person. Absolutely. But then sometimes we just get an anonymous envelope full of pencils. And, <laughs> and okay. Um, right, right. Not sure what to do with this. <laughs> yep. But um, once somebody came in with uh, what he swore up and down was a copy of the Declaration of Independence. Wow. Wow, wouldn't that be great? In South Bend, Indiana here, yeah. Yes, he found this at a garage sale, I think. Right, right. Okay. Um, Well, sir, if you look at the back, you'll see it says Kodak. Yes. (laughs) It's, you know. Uh, Right, reproduced. um, uh, Those are my two favorites. Do... We, sorry, we actually do keep track of how many Singer sewing machines we get offered every year. Really? Because it was here. so many. Wow. And everyone yeah. has one. And yeah. they're beautiful and lovely. And we're usually pretty good on yep. those. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Do you have a, a team, a committee, anything like to, to um, create the exhibits? And so how does that work out? Like how, how do you decide on it? How do you put it together? Yeah, everything's a team effort okay. here. Um, and so when we're putting exhibits together, we have a committee, mm-hmm. and it's it's a pretty large one okay. and includes most of our staff mm-hmm. because there's just so many aspects to exhibits. Okay. You know, you've got your marketing team because you need to talk about... I didn't um, even think of that. That's a great... Yeah, yeah you, know. you know, what do you think people will be right. interested in and how will we promote it and what mm-hmm. kind of public programming can go along with right. that. But then we've got, you know, our exhibits person and our education team uh-huh. you know how can we get this to the schools mm-hmm. and 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 how can that be put together but then also do we have enough stuff to do this exhibit what right. do we know about this topic you know uh-huh. is, is that um even feasible for us right. to do and so um sometimes somebody approaches us with an idea mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and says um I have these things and I'd like to work with you. Right. 
sometimes we'll be somewhere at another museum and and get an idea. Light bulbs going off in your yeah. head. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we've got this this running list of exhibit ideas. Is there an anniversary yeah. coming up soon? Is there makes sense? Um, you know, you just wake up in the morning and yeah. and say. Skylar Colfax yeah, or of course. You know, something like that. So that's yeah, it 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 takes great it's you're not just putting an artifact in the corner. I mean, because you're you want to market it, you want to educate folks, mm -hmm. you want to make sure it's engaging and make sure folks want to see it, you mm -hmm. know. So I'm sure it's it's not easy. And to put different it all folks want to see different things. So And it's hard to please everybody. To me might not be interesting to my parents yep. or you know. That's true. Yeah. That's true. You don't even think about all that it takes to create an engaging museum exhibit. It takes the collaborative effort of the whole team. Now, many of you who follow me on social media know that I love to collect and share old pictures of our area. I think it leads to great comments and conversation, as well as help us understand how our area has changed over the years. The History Museum will share some unbelievably awesome pictures from our past on their socials. And next, I encourage, actually, I'm, I'm kind of, pleading and begging <laughs> Christy to release more. Now, and I love old pictures of our area. Mm -hmm. I absolutely, I have, I mean, even before I've always collected old pictures and now that we're digital, I mean, I have folders for everything and man, the history museum online or Twitter or Facebook will, will tweet, you know, Travis will hear yep. some awesome pictures. Now, do you guys have a ton more? Are you hoarding them and just releasing them every like, week or what because if you have more release them so we um we have i want to say about twenty-five thousand pictures in our collection some are more interesting oh, than others right um but we actually are working on an initiative to have all of those available online for yeah. people to kind of browse through uh -huh. um it's a lot of work oh absolutely and work resources time resources but um so we're working on digitizing our archival yep. collection slowly uh -huh. uh, we actually started with everything relating to skylar colfax being a very important person uh -huh. and us having a lot of stuff so that's kind of a concrete that's what you know, prioritize there. little yep. chunk to okay. like get used to the process and I how see. you're going to do it. I so see. me and my team have been talking a lot about what to do next and uh -huh. how to do that. Right. And so, for example, we have, um, much like the library got, we also got quite a few pictures from the South Bend Tribune okay. that Travis has been scanning and, yeah. and I'd like to get those up pretty soon. Uh -huh. um, so, but then we also want people to keep coming back. So we yes. can point them just a little bit. Of course, so. you want to wet their beak and get <laughs> yeah. them coming back. Oh, oh follow <laughs> us on social media. Right. That's true too. But I even just pictures of streets. I just mm -hmm. I love it. I don't know. That's just the 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 history nerd in me. I just love it. I'll go out and take a picture of it now and and compare it to then and everything. Sure. So, yep. Keep sharing. And if you need somebody to come and 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 look at them, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> when Christy said they have around twenty five thousand pictures in their collection, I about lost it. And again, if you need any help digitizing some of those photos let me know. Next, we talk about one of the more popular exhibits right now in the museum. And folks my age, just think along the lines of Primrose. What would you say currently, what's your most popular exhibit now? 
now. Um, well, our changing gallery, uh, which is kind of our big one, the one okay. that we put the most time into marketing, okay. um, is always our most popular exhibit okay. because, you know, we put the most effort into yeah. it. And right now it's something called Indiana Lore. Talk to me. Which is um, a little bit of a, uh, mostly it's a traveling exhibit okay. that we got from the Indiana Historical Society. Uh-huh. And added a lot of more local information okay. on myths and legends and haunted buildings and I see. Um, things like that in Indiana, but also uh, in St. Joseph County okay. um, and the surrounding areas. So you can learn a little bit about the ghost of Washington Hall or yeah, um, Notre Dame, Val okay. Guinness over in La Porte or okay. um, some, uh, I like the the beast of Churubusco that is this giant turtle that supposedly uh-huh. lived in this lake. I've and this man spent all this time draining this lake to find this giant uh-huh. beast and there was never anything there <laughs> but it's got this really great artwork that comes with it okay. and, um, and it's always fun to like kind of think about well maybe it's true right 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 um, what um when I was in high school there was a school northwest side it was an old school building it was it was a lore oh what was that called primrose Mm-hmm. That's in I there. I think. Oh, is that in there? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's all kind of you know. Well, if you drive too slow, your car will break down. Yes. Or, you know, yep. There's another like one somewhere on railroad tracks. Like your car will go off the tracks or something. Who knows? But yeah. Yep. So so the most of the traveling traveling most of the um, what, what did you call the the exhibits that are? We call it our changing exhibits. changing exhibits. So most of those end up being. Fairly popular just because of all the work and effort that goes into creating, to marketing and, them and the and, promotion. And the uh, promotion. Quite and, frankly, um, continually, our most popular offering is the Oliver Mansion. Oh, absolutely. Of course. Absolutely. So, yep. Yep. Um, yep. Definitely. In general, man, why why do you think it is so important that our just local history is preserved and shared? Mm. Um. Oh, I have a lot of opinions about that, but the. You know, as you always say, and in our mission, you use knowledge about the past to make informed decisions about the future. Mm -hmm. So uh, whether that's mistakes of people in the past Mm -hmm. or you're inspired by people of Mm -hmm. the past, um, all of those things are uh, so important for people to learn about and to uh, consider when they're Mm -hmm. kind of making their life choices. Mm -hmm. So, um, or to understand why we have, um, you know, preservation initiatives in town or when you're driving down the street and, oh, what's this building? Well, let me tell you all about it. (laughs) Uh Um, But I always say that the more you know about something, the more you want to know about something. And yeah, it's true. It's true. And I went to school for archaeology. Okay. Um, and I wanted to be an underwater archaeologist. Uh-huh. Okay. So that's what, that's what I did my master's work Dang. on. And now I'm here, you know, telling people about, you know, let me tell you about this boxer that was a woman in town yeah. in the 50s. And it was so cool uh-huh. and and never thought that I would be. Um, so interested in local yeah. history, but the more you learn about it, the more you the more want to learn about it. The more you get it. about it, and more confident. The people that go before you and the risks that they take uh-huh. and the things that they achieve, and maybe you can do that too. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's what I like about it. Absolutely. I mean, our, our learning from our past helps dictate the, the future and everything. And so, again, 
That is one of the main missions of the History Museum, is to make sure that we understand how important it is to understand our history, since it has such a bearing on our future. As our listeners have learned on this podcast, our past, our present, our future are all intertwined. If you can meet anyone from the South Bend area's past, who would that be and why? That's a, that's a hard one. That's a hard one, and I'd probably have to make a short list. I know. Let's um, highlight one of the people you'd hang out with. Oh, one of the people that I'd probably want to talk to Anna Oliver, Ooh. Um, J.D. Oliver's wife. Okay. And... Uh, that's maybe a little bit selfish, but huh? having taken care of that house for so long, darn right, I have a lot of questions. Yeah, well, let's talk. <laughs> well, what are some questions? What would you ask her? Um, you know, there's a lot of spaces in the house that have been remodeled, and we don't have photos of them, or okay. um, a lot of things that the women in the house did mm-hmm. um, philanthropically, yeah, or just their hobbies that mm-hmm. we just don't have any records of because people didn't think that ladies' yeah. activities were important to mm-hmm. keep. So when we're telling that story, uh-huh. I feel like there's kind of a big hole there. Of yeah. We can talk so much about the business and, you know, the, Correct. the what it looks like now and how it got there. But we can't talk about, you know, half of the people that live there and what right. they were interested in yeah. and what they did all day. Uh-huh. Other uh-huh. than just making guesses based on what people of the time Based of the time, did. right, right, right. So um, I'd be like, tell me everything. What yeah. color is this room? Because it's not black and white. <laughs> That'd be be great. Is the story that I heard actually true? (laughs) Um, There's probably some truth to everything, huh? A little bit. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and I'd also want to talk to some of the early settlers here. Yeah. um, We, again, talk so much about the founding of the city Uh and and some of the... um, first European folks that came here, but it certainly wasn't empty. So there yes. were people like Leopold Pokagan that, you uh-huh. know, tell me more about your story. Right. Um, and so yeah, of I'd course. have to make a list and yeah. go down that list. I would too. It's hard. I've asked that a few times and I can't even decide myself, yeah. but it, but it probably just depends on, you know, what you're reading at the time, exactly. what you're researching at the time, what you're working on. And so, <laughs> yep. yeah, that's, that's a good one there. And now, a brief message from me to you, my listeners. Folks, I need your help in spreading the good word about Round the Bend now and then with your friends and family who you think would enjoy it. I obviously want to grow the show and increase our listeners, but I also want to be sure that we share the good things that we learn about the people that I interview and their businesses, their organizations, books, etc. To share, all you have to do is copy the show's website, paste it in a text, and hit send to a friend. Or just tell them to Google Round the Bend Now and Then, and it's right there. Tell them that we're on all of the popular podcast apps like Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and so forth. And while you're at it, tell them to download, like, or subscribe to the show on whatever podcast app that they're using. And if they're feeling especially squirrely, tell them to leave a review on why they love Round the Bend Now and Then. I thank you in advance for helping to spread the good word. And now, back to our episode. All right. Well, hey, we're going to dive into the actual the History Museum okay. a little bit more. And 
Can you just provide our listeners just with a little bit of a historical context over the years? I mean, we don't need to go over details and dates, but the building opened here in what mid nineties, but before that it was in a few different spots and a few different names. Um, (laughs) yeah. So the, we're actually the second oldest historical society in the state of Indiana. Okay. Um, Where's the oldest? Is it Indianapolis? Probably. Okay. Still second oldest. That's nice. Yeah. Second oldest and second largest. They're the Uh first. Um, but they're nice folks. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, started in 1867 Ooh. and has always been to preserve the history of the River Valley okay. and um, the people that lived here. Mm-hmm. And so we've gone through quite a few names. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the old courthouse museum for a long yeah. time because it was in the old courthouse. For, oh, it was called that. Oh, yeah. That oh, was I didn't the know name that. It was called the old courthouse museum. The old courthouse museum. To our listeners, it is the old courthouse that is next to the county city building on Lafayette Street. That's correct. Yep, yep. And so um, when we moved to this new building mm-hmm. in 1994 um, to be on the same block as the Oliver Mansion mm-hmm. and also just a more modern and um, yeah. climate controlled facility, yes. facility. Um, it was the Northern Indiana Center for History. Uh-huh. Um, and again, I was an anthropology major, so I can yeah. talk about this kind of stuff. <laughs> At the time, people thought that the word museum meant like old and dusty and no one yes. was going to want to come there. Mm-hmm. So center for history. Yeah. But then they dropped the Northern Indiana because we also serve Southern Michigan. Okay. And it was just a center for history. And then everybody was like, well, it's, you know, we think it's an educational center and then okay. we don't know where's the actual museum. So then we changed it to the history museum straight to the point. Yes. Though I will admit. Not the most specific because uh-huh. you have this conversation with people. Oh, I work at the history museum. Oh yeah. Which one? Yeah. The one. Uh, uh-huh. Oh, yeah. So, I get it. <laughs> so that's where we're at now. But for the last, we're actually, um, the Northern Indiana Historical Society is our parent organization. Okay. That's never changed. So okay. whenever I make forever documents, I put Right. You put that, <laughs> that on there. But Definitely. it's confusing to everyone. Yep. So that's kind of one of our things is we're the History Museum and come see us. Yes, absolutely. That's, the, that's what's most important. Mm-hmm. Just get out here. And when you do get out here, you mentioned... It's not just this building, too. It's kind of like a little campus. It is. You want to talk to me about that? Like, what What are some of the different uh, buildings that we have going on, on so campus here? So, we, our museum is made up of one, two, three, four, five buildings that you can see mm-hmm. here on the campus. And then also, of course, the Studebaker Museum. Yeah. So, um, two museums for one mm-hmm. low price. Absolutely. And... Uh, so, you got the Oliver Mansion in those two buildings. You've got mm-hmm. what we call the History Center with... You know, someday we'll have a better name for it. Uh-huh. Um, it could be, it could have your name on it. Yeah, you, there you, you know. go. We take cash. And I know you and... do. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and then the Leighton Gallery, which is kind of part of uh, just that whole long string of buildings yeah. here. Now, the museum is more of a campus than just one building. Next, we spend some time talking about a structure on the museum's campus called the Workers' Home. Christy provides some historical context behind the home, and we discuss some of the plans for the future. I wanted to point this out here because the future plans are tied to the topic of a few of our recent episodes. I interviewed Gabrielle Robinson, the author of Better Homes of South Bend book, that shared the story of racial housing discrimination in the 1940s and 50s in South Bend, and how a group of African-American Studebaker factory workers banded together to form a corporation to purchase land and build homes in a much more desirable area. 
A few weeks ago, I shared a story behind the LaSalle Park neighborhood, better known as the lake. Lynn Coleman joined me and described what it was like growing up there in the neighborhood. The neighborhood was literally built around a city dump, but many African-American families had no other choice but to live there. Next, you'll hear exactly how the plans for the workers' home is tied to those episodes. And also our workers' house, Mm -hmm. um, which is next to the parking lot, the White House over there, uh, which has for the last almost 30 years been um, set as a Polish family's home during Uh the Great Depression, uh, which is interesting because when it first opened in 1994, Mm -hmm. it was actually supposed to change five years later to another ethnicity. It, the really? house was always meant to represent all the some okay a worker peoples, here okay but um, that was a period when um, as I understand I was in high school oh, so right of course what do I know um, we in efforts to save a little bit of money uh-huh. laid off some of our staff and probably didn't have the resources yeah. to do that big change right right um, so finally thirty years later uh-huh. <laughs> we're actually going to start that up again nice. Um, and it will be closing uh, at the end of the day on Labor Day. Oh, so literally next week. Literally on Monday. Uh-huh. And reopening in November okay. um, as an African-American family's home nice. set in the 1950s. Nice. So we can talk about all kind of fun stuff. like. Um, is that is that – would that be aligned to some of the um, like Better Homes – book with Gabrielle Robinson or aligned to even some of the redlining things going around exactly. here? Exactly. Okay. So we And they're wanted... doing a play at the, uh, yes. at the uh, South Bend Civic Theater you, in November? You're on to me here. Yes. <laughs> Let's talk. <laughs> so um, we got a committee of uh, a lot of different people in the community together uh-huh. to talk about how we'd want to do this and when we'd want to set it and right. what would make the most sense um, and settled on the 50s mm-hmm. uh, specifically to coincide with the Better Homes nice. book. Um, And that information to talk about that housing and and redlining and kind of the beginnings of the um, civil rights movement Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. the area. And so um, the Better Homes play opens in early November Mm -hmm. at South Bend Civic. And then they're actually going to have a performance here later in November. Really? That will include a tour of the new house. Uh And Gabrielle Robinson is on our committee also and will be part of that. Uh So we're doing um, the play for schools, but then also a public performance. And the Undesigned the Red Line exhibit that had been at the library and a few other places Uh will be here as well. So Nice. It's all kind of connecting. And the Studebaker Museum is doing a little bit on um, Studebaker workers, Uh um, African-American workers at Studebaker. Yeah. at the same time to you know get this whole campus experience right 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 um it'll be it'll be a really cool that's neat thing to do yeah i'm very excited that's really neat and it it yeah that's it's not just one little exhibit that's a mm-hmm. big deal you it's know a, and, and it's a um it's a tough time in our history but it's, it's true a lot of it you know it's it's true and it's also can be very inspiring Again, yes. you know, yes. you learn from um, the risks that the, yes. the people took to start this housing cooperative and make mm-hmm. that better life for themselves. Yeah. And yep. um, so, and we can use that opportunity to talk about, uh, you know, we've got this family, this mm-hmm. fictional family yeah. that lives in this house, and we've done all these oral histories and talked to all these people 
who um, grew up in the Better Homes neighborhood okay. or here on Washington Street at the time. And and so, okay, so what's dad's story? He probably moved here to work at the Studebaker yeah. factory because they did all this recruiting. Maybe he plays in a blues band mm-hmm. in the evening and, mm-hmm. and let's talk about the music scene in right. South Bend at the time. Yeah. And maybe the kids are, you know, into baseball and who are the big baseball players. Mm-hmm. And, and so yeah, you can neat. kind of pull all these little pieces together right, and right. Make, a, make a nice story. And it makes it, it truly makes it more authentic and connecting to 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 because it's real it's real life with all the different buildings and everything going on you have a lot of programs going on here and you'd mentioned earlier you you kind of oversee some of those what are the some different uh programs that the history museum offers yeah we've always got something going on okay so um, the things that my staff and myself are a little more involved mm-hmm. in have to do with like our kids first area, okay. our kids programs. We have um, different things for um, kids to enjoy and also schools to come and see that have to do with um, natural history in the area with okay. like um, fossils and mammoths and mastodons, but also like the All-American Girls Professional yeah. Baseball League. And, and so that... Um, is a, a wonderful thing for us to be able to offer uh-huh. for um, not only schools, but, you know, just our regular visitors. Right. And then as well, we have a monthly program called Insights in History, okay. which has a historical topic that typically aligns with one of our exhibits. So you okay. come here and you get a little lecture and you get a little tour and you usually get a cookie. So hey, well, you can't beat for $3, that. <laughs> like you can't get anything for $3 <laughs> right. today. So. Um, and we do evening lectures. We have something called Mystery at the Mansion. Uh-huh. where you take a tour of the house and there's actors and there's a mystery for you to solve That's as you cool. listen to all of these people. And um, We just had music in the gardens a okay. couple of times outside. with the, uh, We had um, two this year, one with the Whistle Pigs and the other with a band nice called music. Size Matters okay. and yep. uh, just a nice evening outside. Yep, 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 so yep. Um, there's always something to do here yeah, at the History neat. Museum. That's neat. Do you guys have uh, any any... Well, we just talked about in November what's coming up, but anything else coming up here? Um, yeah, anything around Christmas or any anything else? In yeah, the coming we, months. Um, in so I mentioned Mystery at the Mansion. Uh-huh. Uh, we have Christmas at Kopsha Home okay. coming up, uh, which is also a mansion themed, yeah. heartwarming Christmas program. Uh-huh. Speaking of Mystery at the Mansion or Christmas at the Kopsha Home, I had to spend some time asking about the Oliver Mansion, as you heard earlier. Christy has been extensively involved with the mansion in recent years, and I wanted to provide our listeners with some cool behind-the-scenes info on the mansion. And as you're listening, just remember that this mansion was built in the late 1800s, at a time when electricity was new and cars wouldn't dominate our streets for another few decades. Mr. Oliver, he was a big deal. Mm-hmm. He was a big deal here in 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 South Bend, and he was just he was a a big a big wig. Who, who or what nowadays could you kind of compare him to? Mm. I mean, even if it's not a specific person, but just in general on on how you know impactful he was in our area. That's a great question because, um, and maybe I. I'm a little too nitpicky on this Mm -hmm. because if you think of people today who are kind of the big industrial, you know, billionaires, they're not the same as they were when, when the Olivers were here. Uh But um, especially in our area, we have a, a lot of um, 
really wonderful families who are very philanthropic mm-hmm. and kind of um, put that money back into the community mm-hmm. like um, Ernie Rackland did and, right. and her uh, descendants, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. the Carmichael and yeah. Murphy's and um, Art DCO did in Elkhart mm-hmm. and um, the Judd Layton Foundation mm-hmm. does a lot of that kind of thing as well and, and many others. So though... Um, J.D. J. Oliver was the richest man in Indiana, okay. um, but also used his fortune, and his father did as well. They always said that, you know, it was this town that made them what they are, okay. and they want to make the town better because right. of it. So, um, did things like the Oliver Hotel and uh-huh. the Opera House and built housing and um, funded the courthouse and okay. funded city hall and you know wow you okay. know they said this town needs an opera house and i'm gonna make it happen wow so yeah oh we need a we need a new city hall i will fund that and that's crazy you guys can pay me back when you get to it is it the one on main street was that the uh yes it could have been that's not there that? anymore yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. wow so he was he was just more in tune, probably more in tune, connected to his city than a lot of folks are now. I'd yeah, say. I think yeah. so. Yeah, and you see, um, you know, these national corporations buying things in town, like yeah. the South Bend Tribune, or like uh, correct. Yeah, that's the opposite of keeping it local. Yeah, like, and, and so you don't kind of get as much of that investment yeah. as, as you did back when right. he was alive. And the first of all, the the house is gorgeous. I mean, I've done gone through several times, and it just. I just, I just always think about, gosh, what, what was this like in the late 1800s when it was, you know, being built around mm-hmm. here, and and it's not like you had big cars going up and down the street and everything. Um, and first of all, it had to have been quite the sight to to be I'm built. Sure. I mean, it had to have been quite the sight to see this thing being built. Um, I was looking in the old South Bend Tribune articles, and they, they literally had like a diary every day. There was some columns on on the construction of it. I mean, they, they brought teams in from this here, from there. And, and so I just want to read an example just here. So it, it says frescoes, fresco, how do you, F R E S C O. You know how you would say that? Oh, frescoers. Frescoers. Okay. The frescoers at the Oliver mansion are doing some of the finest work ever seen in the West. The ceilings of several chambers are about completed, but the fine effects will be better appreciated when the walls are finished. The style is entirely new to this locality. It was a big deal at the time, though, wasn't it? Talk it to me. It was. Um, that's great. I haven't seen all of those things. Uh-huh. Um, and now that, you know, the, the Tribune is online and you can yeah. search like that, it makes oh, it's it cool. so much easier. Oh, I rabbit um, holes. And so <laughs> when the house was built, I know that they were noted for their Italian style, which okay. I think was unusual okay. in South Bend at the time. And um, again, that was probably Anna Oliver who put okay. that all together. And again, but you'd want to talk to her. want to talk to her. To get in her head. we yeah. don't have... We have some letters back and forth between JD and the architect, but okay. we don't have the correspondence with um, like the frescoers yeah. or like the interior designers that uh-huh. they hired and, and right. kind of how that went. But um, so those are some of the questions I would ask is because it's typical for a house of that time to have um, painted ceilings with okay. scenes, you know, yeah. like cherubs and clouds uh-huh. and, and ours doesn't, Okay, but there's definitely spaces that looks like it might, it might have, have, and it probably did, uh-huh. um, but was painted over later on. Right, and, you right. know, I don't, you've probably never taken a picture of the ceiling in your house. Nope. So neither did the Oliver. Right. So we don't have that information. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, 
So it, you know, it was a grand house, um, though we do have letters where JD is telling the architect, oh, you want a bronze front door? Well, that seems expensive. Let's make it oak instead. Wow. Okay. Wouldn't a bronze front door have been really cool? Yeah. Oh, I didn't think he'd spare any expense, but uh, hey. He spared a lot of expenses, <laughs> believe it or not. Um, wow. <laughs> so we say on tours that it's a relatively modest home for a man of his wow, okay. social standing. And, you know, Clem Studebaker's home, Tippecanoe Place, yeah. is almost twice as big. Uh-huh. And uh, was much more ornate. Good point. It is. It is. It is larger. It's got yeah. two dining rooms. It's uh-huh. got, you know a bowling alley in the basement yeah. and yep um and the oliver mansion just didn't have those things but would have guests from other businesses that he's trying to impress or dignitaries from different countries mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and so you wanted it to still be impressive and have kind of that of height course. of technology of so. course yeah and his his old factory was right down right the, there right up you the could road. see it from the third floor window goodness um is there anything about the house that would surprise people like any that people kind of shocked at? Shocked at? Not shocked, yeah. but you know, any statistic? I don't know anything. Um, fun facts about the house that mm-hmm. I like to share mm-hmm. with you. Um, it's one of the first homes in South Bend to have electricity. It was okay. built with electricity. It was not. It was. Okay, it was. Okay. Um, but it would only have been like your built-in light fixtures from the ceiling. Yeah. So when they added on as time went on uh-huh. and you want, you know, things to plug in Correct. or something like that, they just added on to that original system. Okay. Um, so we had to rewire the whole thing a couple uh-huh. of years ago, which was Oof. fun. I'm sure. Um, <laughs> took a long time, but sure. um, is a great thing to have done. Yeah. And I was also one of the first homes to have um, central heat. So. Wow. Uh, it's got radiators, but it also has a forced air system, okay. which is kind of unusual. Yeah, yeah. And um, and we're still using largely that original system. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's wild. And that is wild, and and that's something we're looking to upgrade to. Yeah. But it but it works well enough for now. Uh, I'm sure that's not going to be a, a cheap endeavor. <gasps> no. My goodness. No. Now, when you guys were rewiring it, did you guys? Guys got into the walls and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Did, you, did you find some things or no? We did find some things. Yeah. Um, we not, you know, not anything that's going to make national news, yeah. but the what we did find was mostly um things like in the basement. Okay. Like, oh, okay, there was a door here, or oh, there you. was a fire in this corner. Right. You can see the charred wood in the ceiling, yeah. or the central vacuuming system is largely still in place, uh-huh. and we thought it was all gone. Right. Because we don't usually cut walls open unless we really need to. Of course. Um, we found a lot of sardine tins from workers <laughs> who just ate their lunch and threw the tin in the wall. Wow. Because <laughs> who's going to know? Yeah, um, exactly. And that's kind of fun. And... Um, you know, some other things like that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's neat. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just remember reading that it, it did get rewired a few years ago. Yeah. I was wondering about that. Uh, is this scary to be in there alone? I don't think so. No? But um, some people do. Yeah? Um, I tell people I've been there at night. Um, I've been there by myself at night. Uh-huh. I had to sleep in the attic once. Um, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on Halloween, you know, I, I, yeah. if, if the Olivers are going to haunt me, I, they've got better things to do than to bother me. Cause yeah. You know, I just ask them questions. Exactly. You would so, just hound them with nothing yeah. but questions. You'd ask Anna on, on her, her 
you know, her design plans yeah. and and uh, and they should be thankful that That's you're right. continuing on spreading the good word about their home. I know right? they know it's in good hands. Exactly, and- exactly right. We wrap up our talk in Christie's office, talking about a pretty important aspect of running a successful museum: money. I wanted to point this out because, as you'll hear, every dollar matters. What are, you mentioned it earlier about uh, funds and about money. What are some of the main ways that the the History Museum operates with funds? Like how how do you get your money? How do we get our money? Um, begging. No, the. I mean. <laughs> hey, absolutely. <laughs> so we we have a lot of different, um, I guess, avenues of income. Uh-huh. Though the most major ones are um, generous donations yeah, from absolutely. people in the community. So. This fundraising gala that we have coming mm-hmm. up is is very important for okay. us. Um, but you know we have an annual fund every year. Okay. That it, it doesn't take, you know, thousands and tens of thousands of dollars mm-hmm. to make a difference. Everybody, mm-hmm. you know, people giving us five dollars still absolutely helps right. and counts. So right. um, admissions, of course, are very important. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, a few spot we have a. Public program sponsors okay. that are that are great. We get grant monies from right. things we apply for for specific projects. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do have a little bit of funding from St. Joseph County. Okay. Um, so uh, this building that we're sitting mm-hmm. in is owned by St. Joseph County. So okay. um, they and leased by us. So right. Some of that the partnership there. As well. and, yeah, and yeah. they've been great partners to That's us. That's great. And. Um, so lots of different things and all yep. extremely important. Yeah. So folks, get online, click a button, mm-hmm. like she said. Become a member. Every no, there you go. Every penny counts. Yeah. You know, every penny counts. Next, we hit the museum floor and we start at the Indiana Lore exhibit. And as you'll hear, I got a bit creeped out. Side note: since we are walking around, holding our microphones, talking, walking, you'll hear a little bit of extra noise from the mics moving. But just don't pay it any attention. Oh, yes. This is larger. I see. Okay. Yeah. So this is about 5,000 square feet Uh gallery in here. Hazel McNally is one of my favorites in here. I don't know if you've heard of her. No. Yeah. So this lady um, was accused of killing her two children. Hazel McNally Hazel McNally, who was here in South Bend. Okay. And um, after, so she had these two children that she pushed around in a stroller. Okay. And then they were just gone. And, um, and her husband and neighbors were all very suspicious and she was accused of of killing them. Uh And she said, no, I was never pregnant and they were dolls all along. And I'm getting kind of chills. Like this is, that's kind of freaky. That picture up there. So that's her and her two dolls, and it went to court. And um, I'll tell you what: if you read like some of the newspaper stories, I think everybody was a little kooky in this one. She was charged with double murder. With double murder. Because that people saw her with two "quote unquote" babies, and her husband and then disappeared. Swore the up disappeared. and down that like yeah, she was pregnant, and I, you know, held the baby and she's like no that was a doll and wow because i'm looking at a picture right now her holding two looks like babies but those are dolls those are dolls freaky and then there's dolls right there yeah those are those are in our collection (laughs) 
Wow. I'll need to remember that. Hazel <laughs> <Yeah>. McNally. <laughs> so, um... She kept the twins hidden. Kept the twins says. carefully hidden from curious eyes. And oh my gosh! So, and she said that her husband wanted children so badly that she like invented two children, um, and they were always sleeping. And they were like, you know, sensitive to sound, so you yeah. couldn't go in there and like uh-huh. see them. Of course. Um, how does your husband not yes. notice? How do you, that's that's crazy. I'm gonna need to look into yeah, that. Yes, so I'll look nuts. into it. It's it's an interesting story. And <laughs> what is the answer? Who knows? Um, that's nuts. It kind of was never definitively solved. So Man. the judge decided that he had been the victim of a hoax, and okay. she was let free. Hey, so. hey, there you go. Yeah, because those aren't real babies in that picture. No, no. Ooh. I'm telling you folks, you need to check this exhibit out. You take one look at that picture, and it gives you the heebie-jeebies. One of the big disappointments in downtown South Bend right now is the disrepaired state of the state theater. I wish that somebody would step forward with the vision and the money to repurpose it. Because if you haven't seen it, it is in dire shape. We talk about a part of the Indiana Lore exhibit next that highlights the state. I see a picture of the State Theater there. Mm-hmm. What is that? Let's see. The f- Phantasm <laughs> Flapper of the State Theater. Isn't that a, isn't that a fun bit That's of a That's quite the word, Phantasm Flapper. Yeah. Um, so there's various stories of ghostly dancers from the 20s okay. in the State Theater. Okay. Did they party at the State when it was the nightclub? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I didn't see any of them there. <laughs> <laughs> When we were flapping on the dance floor in the early aughts, the phantasm flapper probably didn't like the music and didn't join us. There are many more exhibits at the museum, including one that has made the museum the national repository for all things related to the subject. Yeah, this is a really popular thing. People like learning about the the women's baseball, the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. Okay, let's talk a little bit about that, the... Yeah, so uh, we're actually the national repository for the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. Really? Yes. Okay. As made famous by the movie League of Their Own. Yeah. Though, of course, deserving to be famous without a movie. Of course. uh, But a lot of people didn't know anything about them until they learned it from Gina Davis. So, uh, yeah, we're very fortunate to have this large collection of... um, information about the league, stuff from the players, mm-hmm. um, just all kind of really great things. Right. Photos, and that's one of our number one requested things for research here is um, girls baseball. Really? We were fortunate to actually provide some uh, uh, consulting with the uh, Amazon okay. um, Prime show that was on recently yeah. on their costuming because uh-huh. I guess they contacted the Library of Congress and the Library of Congress said, no, you need to call the History Museum. That is cool. So we were able to kind of show them original yeah. jackets and things like neat. that to help them design costumes for yeah. the show. That's neat. So, um, yeah, that so is neat. All, all 14 teams are highlighted in different ways here, and we like to change things to yeah. keep it fresh. And then folks who have never seen or heard of where the girls used to, the ladies used to play, you would have no clue that there was a baseball field there. Now it's IUSB's dorms, apartments. When I was a kid, it was a golf course. Yeah, I've heard that. A nine-hole lit golf course. 
WNIT just did a documentary. They did. Yeah. I, I heard it was great. I haven't watched it yet. I need it's, to, though. It's pretty good. And not just because I'm in it. but the, You're um, in it, too? Oh, yeah. We'll have to watch it. All right. And I did end up watching WNIT's documentary on Playland Amusement Park. And folks, you need to watch it. Not only because Christy graces us with her presence and knowledge, but the documentary shares many stories and some cool old pictures of the park. So, so neat. And all about a half mile from where I'm recording at now. Again, there are many, many, many more exhibits on display at the History Museum, and we only highlighted a few here. I highly encourage you to spend some time visiting the museum yourself. We wrap up our talk on the museum floor with a conversation about an exhibit that Christy is very proud of. This uh, Colfax Speaker for Freedom section is one of those things that we put in recently okay. to uh, highlight uh, who I will argue is the most prominent person to come from South Bend. Yeah. So uh, here you can learn all about Skylar Colfax and um, his time not only here as a newspaperman, mm-hmm. as well as uh, he was in Congress and then vice president. And um, again, the more you learn about something, the, the more, more interested in more. you're in. You to go to it. rabbit holes You do. More. And so what's really great about Colfax is um, he was campaigned almost exclusively on an anti-slavery stance. Uh So whatever party he was in was the party that was the most Mm -hmm. anti-slavery. That was what he was for. And um, unlike a lot of politicians today who just want to get elected, you know, he was uh, very firm on that. He made a stance. And he said, this is my stance. And that's what he wanted to work on. So he said the proudest moment of his life was signing the 13th Amendment. That's cool. Uh, which um, officially outlawed slavery in the United States and as Speaker of the House at the time. So, and you can see that all through his history. But then he was implicated in a scandal called the Credit Mobilier Mm -hmm. scandal, which is a little bit complicated and we won't go into that today. But, um, and just really felt like the public totally turned on him and later said when uh, people was asking him if he would run for office again later. He's, mm-hmm. And I, I put this quote in here. I would not be a candidate for any office at any salary. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's a big no. Yeah. <laughs> so, at any salary. Became a lecturer and um, liked to talk about his time as speaker under Abraham Lincoln. Uh-huh. And so we're fortunate to have uh, something oh, that I think is really okay. cool. Cool. Which is his chair yeah. that he used as speaker of the house. So that was made specially for the speaker Okay. Um, in the Capitol building and kept by the Colfax family. It was actually gifted to him when he resigned as speaker to become vice president okay. and given to us in the 1940s. That's neat. Um, as well as this gavel here, which was the gavel that was used by the speaker of the Confederate House okay. and given to Colfax by Abraham Lincoln. So uh, probably picked up when the Union soldiers... Uh, came to the Confederate capital, yeah. and uh, Lincoln said, there you go. <laughs> that's, that's still though, isn't it? That's Lincoln really, touched that's the really Colfax. Cool. I mean, yeah. Thank you for listening to another episode of Round the Bend Now and Then. A special thanks to the History Museum for allowing me to visit and shine a spotlight on the museum. An extra special thanks to Deputy Executive Director Christy Erickson. Christy, 
Thank you for your dedication and passion for the museum and for preserving our past. Your passion and your enthusiasm for what you do just shine the whole time we were meeting. You do such a great job of articulating and sharing all of the wonderful things going on at the History Museum. Folks, check out the History Museum's website for all types of information, www.historymuseumsb.org. I'll also include a link of the website in the show notes. You heard me mention all the cool pictures that they'll share on their social media from time to time. Be sure to follow them on all of their socials, on Facebook, The History Museum, or on Twitter, at History Museum SB. Lastly, as I ask you every week, please do me a favor. Leave a review on whatever podcast app that you listen to us on. Follow us on all of our socials, Twitter, Round the Bend Pod, and Facebook, Round the Bend Now and Then. As many of you have done, you can email me, roundthebend574 at gmail.com. As always, please share the podcast with those that you feel would like us. Join us again next time as we learn more about South Bend and Mishawaka's now and then.